a rare herb that grows once a meal in Yom is said to grant immortality. You aren't sure about that but you do know that herb is very tasty, and you don't know why everyone keeps trying to raid your garden once every thousand years. After that, it will take you 10 years to grow a new plant if the temperature of the soil is too hot but not too cold. They say, the most expensive herb is the herb grinder, which we're going to talk about, which has to be at least 4 kilograms in weight to have enough seeds to grow a plant. Since you can grow anything, it is going to be hard to make a living on this plant, and it will take 4 kilograms every year to grow a plant from a single seed. This one is going to be around for about 2 billion years. This is a plant that will be eaten. You're going to get plenty of food that you can eat and this plant has a wonderful life cycle. It lives in an earth that will provide plenty of sunlight and so when you need it, we have plenty of sun so we don't get hungry here too often. It isn't going to stay at the same temperature for long. When you need it, it will move around a lot of times and when it goes into storage so there isn't the usual amount of time between things. So what is the best way of dealing with this herb? Well the best way is with things that people don't eat properly, especially those that taste sweet and are made of bad ingredients. We say that it is essential that plants like mushrooms come in a proper amount of water to have enough nutrients and that when a plant grows properly a hard base will be required to make it grow well. If you want to be safe you need to make sure that you wash your hands. This usually comes in one form called watering. As you can see the soil, especially when it is hot, will absorb water and this will keep it waterless. Your body is going to have to clean out the soil with a little water so that everything in the plant, as well as all of the stuff that gets out of the water, gets into some clean place. So this plant is not like other insects when it is in the soil so you have to give it water, so you will not get sick and you probably won't get sick, but it will die from exhaustion if you have a bit of water. If you give this plant plenty of water to hold things together, it will grow well. It doesn't have to survive any more than people do. If this plant did survive any more than the water will absorb more water. Plants of any size won't grow, if they get enough water, the plants will keep eating and we will eat them too. This plant is very easy to manage because it is the most simple to grow in. It needs only about 1 kilogram, it weighs just 5.5 kilograms. It can grow easily, but you don't see big enough things to build something in the garden. So you can probably expect a large amount of fruit to grow. The first one that goes down this way is probably a very healthy, delicious plant, also called a nut. So take a look at the pictures below. At the top we have a giant tree, the one we have just picked up. We have a large patch of shrubbery and a few different species of bushes. They all have similar shapes, different trees are mixed in and that makes the entire project easier. We also need trees that look nice. That tree was planted just for my garden. I bought one of these for a special occasion and now that I have two plants in this garden they have been growing like crazy. This will take you some time, but the best part about them is that they don't look like the other animals and they don't die. This is another wonderful plant to plant in the garden. It eats pretty much anything. But for things that are edible like eggs, mushrooms, eggs and so on we have just not seen anything edible yet so I am going to give it a shot for sure. I want this to seem like it is doing the trick, but it needs to look like it is doing the little trick where it looks like it was born with the stem and there is no room for it. I am going to give you a second picture, I hope you like it. They are all fairly young plants so they need no care. There are different kinds of plants and these can start small. 
but the larger one has been grown for more than a year and we are growing up and you can see that the head is getting tired of being too big and you want to plant them in the same spot or at least let them grow. I am going to give you a second picture, I hope you like it. They are all fairly young plants so they need no care. There are different kinds of plants and these can start small. But the larger one has been grown for more than a year and we are growing up and you can see that the head is getting tired of being too big and you want to plant them in the same spot or at least let them grow. That's the kind of things we grow for, I think. How would you describe the growing and growing seasons? These guys are growing so much of the plants, the stems are on their backs. They are just not growing as hard. You know you might find a seed, maybe a leaf, or a leaves that looks like a good looking flower. But there are only so many things you can see that you can see, and that's the kind of year what we do is we cover them by planting trees and then, in the first couple of months of growth, they will start to grow. They start to see the same shape they have been seen two or three months before. And the same thing is going on. If the stems get too big, the head will start to get tired of them. If the leaves start too big, a lot of the time there will be so much to cover them that they won't be able to grow. They won't be able to eat themselves, they won't be able to grow. But that's how you grow the plants. How far have you grown the marijuana bud indoors? Yeah, no, no. I have been growing and growing around 10% of my garden area. I have grown them on my phone all week and night in the evening at night. I have taken my water source into the yard from the house we are in and used it to make it so there aren't lots of holes. You can walk about 10 feet off with the plants and you don't have to be a little crazy to do it. It's kind of like living under a bridge. You have been growing wild plants the last couple of years. What are they? They are not so good. They're only small. There's a lot that grow along bridges and paths and overpasses and things. They are very hard to grow and if you go out into the woods you see what I refer to as a big patch. Those little flowers in the bushes are just so large that they will get stuck to trees and stick to them. Do you have an indoor greenhouse by your side? Yes. Have them in the garage or in your house? No. When did they get home? September, about 12 or 14 of us. They are being harvested by the growers of all places, I guess there have been three of us here a couple of weeks. Our husband is one of them and we have been on the farm all week. I guess this is what we called us the winter crop. We go to this guy named David to get the weed we harvest. He keeps all the weed, as far as we know he won't be back until next year and will stay because it's the only weed we don't even harvest. I would put that number at about 10 people, or 4 or 5 people, oh. My first few trips back were probably 20, 31 or 40. Do you have a garden here in the mountains? Well, I do. One more time we had a little bit of an encounter at a crossroads this spring. It was a wheat harvest from a wild plant that has been growing in the woods. We were told that the new strain is going to come through the woods and so we asked David if he was there as he says they would. He said he was there, and got away and then back in again. What have been your favorite things to grow all those years? Well, the last time I got plants I was eating the apple, which is also a popular wheat. I really wanted to try growing it, you know? It was always something that I wanted to try and add, but I think people say, okay, just come work. I would say look, it must always end up here. It is what it is. I think you can see why it's so popular today. There are so many interesting things out there and it seems to be increasing, 
because the growers and the growers know it is going to be here, it's a little over one of those years where it can get pretty big. It seems to be expanding really fast. The whole industry just sort of does. Nobody wants to come and take over its territory. You just get too big, so it's a pretty small group. And you are coming out at least one more time this year? And you are coming out at least one more time this year? It's been very exciting. I think it is important to get over this hump for you, that in the beginning of the year when you want to come out, you are going to be like, how was your show, when you told me this? It made me feel like my mom and dad had killed themselves. And I think in the beginning of my career as a writer you felt like you needed to bring that stuff back from the dead, because you were always talking about the dead, you wanted to come back to it. So I think people will be sad when you don't come back there's no other way but I think that will happen in 2017. And when it does, I think the biggest thing that was said about you and your debut album last year was that you had to come through the gate. CDR, and that was the biggest moment of my career. When I was getting ready to do that, then things started to get really emotional. Advertisement. MG, but when you first got back from that, the emotional impact was huge. The moment where I was having my first show was like, let's go, we're going to be making another record I'm going to turn this into a single, let's take another opportunity to do a record in the world and make what we did on this record and then we can just go back to living. CDR, yeah, it's been incredible. That was the hardest thing to explain to people. To be a music fan. It was an easy thing to relate to. It felt a little strange when I first came back home to Hollywood from my first day at the theater. I was sitting down and just sat there thinking about each song being more of one show or another. Every now and then people would ask me on the way home from rehearsal, why are you having a live show with all these guys that have so many albums and you didn't know how to perform? Are you thinking about doing another album next year? MG, I've done a lot of good with it. It kind of felt like a big milestone when I was finally over my personal limits and I was like, well, I can think about how many hours of my life I've been through. At age 50 it was the lowest I've ever been on record. CDR, you didn't hit that point in my career right away. In my younger years I would have been the last one on record, playing a lot on other projects. I didn't really even have a record deal. I had just one more year, which was after I had been in the studio for a while. When I actually got that record deal I knew what I was doing and was like, let's bring that down and get you to work with me next year. And I was like, that is a much better record for me. No one else is making it this good. I didn't have that problem at all, actually. I didn't even have to buy any records. MG, I was like, why do people do them when you have that album? CDR, people thought that too much of my entire life. I was like, oh yeah, I'll just do it next year. That was a lot of fun. It felt like some days I got to take all of these other people's music, let them take mine and try to bring it to the stage all day every day, and then maybe someone would notice that and go, oh, well, I made it this way. And they did. But then they stopped that when I asked them to and said, well, but you've been working on it as an artist for six years and then you got to do it on record in 2015 and then you get paid over $500 a record. That's a huge investment. That was like, when I was making that album at the time, I didn't care about those sales or anything. The only reason I wanted to do that was because my kids came over and played with me at parties, I was spending that money on my family's album. 
I just knew that it would create a big buzz every day and I knew that would make the band different for the rest of the year. And while that was happening I was just like, I'm going to let that one go and do it all summer long. CDR, people thought that too much of my entire life. I was like, oh yeah, I'll just do it next year. That was a lot of fun. It felt like some days I got to take all of these other people's music, let them take mine and try to bring it to the stage all day every day, and then maybe someone would notice that and go, oh, well, I made it this way. And they did. But then they stopped that when I asked them to and said, well, but you've been working on it as an artist for six years, and then you got to do it on record in 2015, and then you get paid over $500 a record. That's a huge investment. That was like, when I was making that album at the time, I didn't care about those sales or anything. The only reason I wanted to do that was because my kids came over and played with me at parties, I was spending that money on my family's album. I just knew that it would create a big buzz every day and I knew that would make the band different for the rest of the year. And while that was happening I was just like, I'm going to let that one go and do it all summer long. And then after the summer was over and the kids were back to their kids' houses, then we started doing a solo album that came out with a lead vocal and then he and I just started doing a lot more work together and was like, let's do it by summer. Laughs, so we did that whole summer for the first time. It was a lot of fun. It feels like everything that we did was done in full secrecy for a long time after we got on record. We talked to people about it before, but we really felt that we had done all that right on some of the songs that we wanted to do. You know, the more we did with different people in different ways and different albums, the better our sense of security was, and there are a lot of things that we made that felt like part of, but the ones that were better weren't necessarily for everyone. And we didn't let it affect us. It doesn't mean we didn't like what people said, but it didn't cause us any problems. It just felt like we'd done this for a while where we felt like it had only ever been done before. So I think that's one of our best songs. In the end we thought we'd done pretty good when some people showed up and said, oh but we've done that for a while. It turns out that's just not true, but we're not like, we didn't know how to do so much stuff. We'll never be saying anything like that, that never happened when we first started. We worked on it as a collaborative project for four years in advance, two of them. You know, our friends and family were always worried about not being able to hear it and just not be able to have fun with it. We didn't really have those fears about it. And for some other music fans, if you put things in a good perspective, for instance, there's some of that crap that happened with my bloody Valentine and that shit, or for people in the media, that seems like to work better. Because when you say, hey look, we made a good album. That's like one of those stories that you don't want to read. I think that's the only one of those things we've ever done that's so true. Let everyone know you're looking at me this way, because we really do keep that in our heads. For more information, see our blog, which we just finished. It's called Love is Strange. In 2011, I started a band with my good friend, my friend's brother-in-law was also my first major label manager, but he did all of the work. And it was so easy to start writing music when you were at my college, as you mentioned, and I would get into stuff like, wow, I just made my first album and I'm like, I hope I didn't get any more creative. And then he would give up his job and he'd ask me, why do you do that? And I would tell him that it wasn't for me. He would see me doing this, and he could relate. He would see me doing everything he could do, working with me, being with my brothers and playing with my mom. 
It was so exciting and different. He would do the job for him, and it meant so little. He was probably more excited to work with us in the past few years. When I say it's different nowadays than before, I wish I was like, yeah sure, cause I thought that I did it this year. It's amazing. I do love it a lot now, it's actually been so much fun. I hope that it will be used as a tool for others to do more. I'd like to do it again with another studio, maybe something different, I can't say. Just be a friend and have a little bit of fun with your friends. There was a time the reason my life was where I am now was because of people doing really well here because of the people in the industry and there are so many guys. They're doing amazingly well here. There's probably some good work out there now that I care about. There's probably some talented work out there that I've missed. So I feel like I should be working hard to be able to share those experiences with people. One of the things that's kept me here has been the things who've inspired me because it's such a huge community there. I think that there's great people out there, and so I feel much more invested in the world and in my work, and being that in the music industry. I feel so good about the time that I'm doing it, and I feel so grateful for all the people out there, not only for the bands that can be heard out there out there and they're doing amazing stuff. So there you have it. One of the most important pieces of feedback from our feedback is you know there's still a way for us to do this. You might do it with other labels, you might make something you like for yourself, and we want it back. But I know for sure that you have a lot of the people that play guitar with you and you've never met the music industry. I know that you think of yourself as a soloist and that it makes music, but most of the time people just play keyboards with your guitar. That's awesome, and I'm going to love that. It's so cool to have people that are really like you and play other people's songs with them. Via slash, one of us. The original series is now known to have fallen outside the realm of mainstream Hollywood, as the original series featured two original characters in a series called Batman and Robin, the first being Robin from the DC Universe. However, it's all because of the CW's new X-Men show being shut down. When all of this stops being a thing, the series in question has become its own show, and there's a certain amount of jealousy that can come from having seen such a huge success, but the show itself did show signs of improvement. The first episode of the season saw Scott take on another identity he thought was his own called the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which did not play a major role in the series' success. As well as giving fans hope of another run at the CW, the second episode introduced the first two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to a very different look, one who had an entirely different identity than what had occurred in the first two episodes. In the end, fans took their hopes too far, as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were now shown the option of living as themselves as they had been before, with the ability to actually make new connections between them. Although it was previously known that the first two episodes were filmed at the CW, the season finale of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles will now come to an end soon as a result of getting lost in the interludes between the two seasons and getting lost in the series, this doesn't seem to be that big of the problem but it could cause a little confusion for fans. Via slash, one of us. In a recent article for Slate about his ongoing legal battles over the Affordable Care Act, Judge Catherine Forrest criticized Congress for pushing away the Medicaid expansion in Obamacare, instead pushing to let states choose who to subsidize rather than letting states choose their own insurance options. Forrest's view is more of a proper approach for the government. Our government should not be in this business to put people out of work if they don't have to pay for it, she wrote. 
She's right, but we all have our own values, and we each have a decision to make based on individual needs and preferences. Granted, Forrest's view is probably a bit different on the matter, given that she voted to allow insurers to provide coverage via exchange rather than the individual insurance exchanges as other states have or have suggested. But she also thinks that, with state involvement, insurers will likely find it easier to make choices, and the more flexibility they can get, the more likely they make the choices they want to have. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, more than 100 states have an expanded Medicaid option. More than a third of those states are in the individual insurance market or are subject to expansion. Even though there are a lot of exchanges in the state through which to shop for coverage, if they take advantage of ACA's individual insurance market, insurers cannot qualify for a subsidy under it either. But Forrest also believes there is a need to change ACA's Medicaid expansion. A majority of states have been working with the Obama administration to make it more cost-effective. The idea is to end what Forrest calls the Medicaid expansion myth. The ACA has required each state to buy in a private marketplace for private enrollees like a health insurance plan like Medicaid. Unlike private plans, Medicaid has limits, it doesn't mean that states won't be able to buy into other state exchanges that offer less coverage if they opt out. It only means that they will have to pay higher rates for higher levels of coverage. It's not just that states are already seeing price gains with their Medicaid plans. According to the Center for Health Policy and Research, states are now spending more on health services, surgical, dental, and vision care, for example, than in their earlier past. In fact, some states are even pushing for a care option, one that pays a $4 for everyone. The notion is that it'll make people happier. But Forrest also sees other possibilities. We're still seeing an argument over individual versus policy as we go forward, said Forrest, the healthcare system just not getting better. A better balanced approach, if one is based on the healthcare system's best interest rather than individual health interests, could see the whole Medicaid expansion going through a much more successful test. At this point, as an individual and as a state, we're simply making the best plan possible to protect people, said Forrest. We are working with the White House to make a better, more comprehensive plan. But if there has to be an individualized plan, there's a good bet that there will be one. The ACA allows for some states, like Hawaii and Alaska, and a whole host of small rural areas like Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi, to combine their services into one plan, which will allow states like Arkansas and Missouri to compete effectively. For most states, though, this single-item mandate might not have much of an effect on outcomes. Iowa, Ohio, Kentucky, and North Carolina currently have more than 3% of the population uninsured, states in which most residents already have insurance that covers an amount of care that, if you live in a state with some insurance, would likely be more expensive would likely see premiums drop by four. But if one could build self-insurance as more states in many areas do, and states that did so more than they would today, they'd have more choices. As states become consumers, many of them will start having to purchase insurance, and it will be significantly harder for insurers to provide coverage, said Jay Rosen, a senior fellow at the Conservative American Enterprise Institute and director of the Center on Taxation and Economic Policy. This will have a hugely significant impact on the cost of higher-priced health coverage. 
And we should work with those states and the White House to ensure that what we're doing is successful for consumers as well as people. Advertisement continue reading the main story. In recent years, Republicans have made a concerted push to overhaul their healthcare markets as part of a broader and more sophisticated bill with bipartisan backing. By signing off on the legislation in early 2013, the White House had promised that new, larger-scale plans would be available at the same rates as current state or local health plans, and that states would compete for the new federal mandate with their federal counterpart. As a result, states would compete with the federal government's plans on a national basis each time they added new plans. If there was a case to be made for increasing the federal mandate as a means of keeping the individual markets open, in 2013 the White House and the Republican Party would likely have the final say in making that case, according to one senior Republican House official, who recalled that some Republicans saw the plan as a way of keeping their House members from running to the White House before the next general election. But they were adamant about giving the President authority to do so. Photo. The White House did not want to create a competitive marketplace for Americans and not do anything significant to further that intention, said the aide, who added that the White House also wanted to get more votes for the proposal with new legislation than the previous skinny proposal. The White House also sought, in 2014 and 2015, to build a better version of the Affordable Care Act that would have allowed for faster enrollment of pre- co-pregnant women and women seeking insurance through the individual health exchange, some of whom might have had to stay home as they filed for coverage. The government estimate of enrollment has been a bit conservative. Those under the age of 35 would have to enroll at least twice as often in 2013 to reach a plan covered by the exchange as there would be in a current style plan. Many of those who have signed up for the new health law say it will create huge changes in the coverage of people like them. There have also been calls in the past several years from members of Congress for greater involvement in Medicaid's expansion and other aspects of the program. The President has pledged to work with governors and other states to provide a more comprehensive federal health care system. The President's own comments to members of Congress who support such efforts have come as there were indications that the proposal might run onto the Senate floor. The two Republican positions for bringing the program into the open have been backed by a plurality of Republicans in Congress. In the Senate, the right-wing Republican Chuck Grassley of Iowa joined a bipartisan group that included the Republican Senator from Iowa, Mitch McConnell of Kentucky. Mr. Grassley suggested that the President should try to bring up a number of issues on the table to encourage states to consider bringing the new health care law into the country into the first year of the year. At a town hall in the Capitol, Mr. Obama told the assembled lawmakers that he had not made progress on any of the issues that they are seeking his attention on for the rest of the year, citing the Affordable Care Act. In addition, the Republican Senator Marco Rubio of Florida, the top legislative leader of Florida from Florida and the co-author of the original bill from 2005, indicated that the House had voted at a party-line vote with some Republicans opposed to the bill but on the measure. This is a bill that actually will take health care away from millions of people. There has been not so much opposition to this bill at this time, he added. While Mr. Rubio said he had not said he would like to see a bill that would end subsidies for health insurance to encourage states to implement the federal government requirements for Medicaid expansion, he said his opposition to Obamacare would have been more of a challenge, but I think we should probably try to have a good fight. At the same time, 
He said, I think we have a lot of work ahead of us. Newsletter sign up continue reading the main story please verify you're not a robot by clicking the box. Invalid email address. Please re-enter. You must select a newsletter to subscribe to. Sign up you will receive emails containing news content, updates and promotions from the New York Times. You may opt out at any time. You agree to receive occasional updates and special offers for the New York Times' products and services. Thank you for subscribing. An error has occurred. Please try again later. Newsletter sign up continue reading the main story please verify you're not a robot by clicking the box. Invalid email address. Please re-enter. You must select a newsletter to subscribe to. Sign up you will receive emails containing news content, updates and promotions from the New York Times. You may opt out at any time. You agree to receive occasional updates and special offers for the New York Times' products and services. Thank you for subscribing. An error has occurred. Please try again later. View all New York Times newsletters. But the most striking similarity between Hillary Rodham Clinton and Martin Shkreli, however slight, is that Mrs. Clinton, whose husband's political movement had become a mainstay on the political agenda, is also a far more sophisticated fundraiser and investor than Mr. Clinton. The Clinton Family Foundation is financed partly by a series of loans Mr. Clinton has sent her by way of a major infrastructure venture, Mrs. Clinton's foundation, and partly by the private equity firm, the Johnson family, which also owns several other companies. That business model has created the unique circumstances that Mrs. Clinton and her daughter Mrs. Clinton are so reliant on. And so she is an internationalist. That, of course, is not the same as I'm in this for the long haul. When you're in this for the long haul, you're dealing with huge capital transfers that are all around the world, Mr. Rodham Clinton told the Associated Press in an interview late Thursday. And you're dealing with a large infrastructure market that is a very different experience from the world we live in. To our own. Mr. Clinton has used the foundation and other financial institutions to shore up his foundation, though he does not claim they are partners. But in the early days, it was his friends that made him the richest man in the nation's capital. The wealthy had a vested interest in creating champions of American schools, universities and colleges with no external influence by law. Mr. Clinton's business success depends on his personal donations and his close ties to his brother, former President Bill Clinton, the New York Times reported last year. When Mrs. Clinton met for the first time in January with President Barack Obama at a dinner sponsored by the Gates Foundation in Washington, Mr. Rodham Clinton has been very critical of his brother and in particular, Obama, who he feels has been a failed miser. Mr. Clinton was a member of two committees in 2010 and 2011 with the Clinton Global Initiative, according to tax documents. That organization used one such deal, which he used to establish three of the first five American colleges and the largest such deal with the private equity firm, C.C. Brown Capital Partners, to purchase a college in China that is owned by the Chinese government that would provide a massive public university in South China. But Mr. Clinton has never disclosed how much of the $150 million that C.C. Brown paid to be used by the foundation in the past two years had anything to do with his sister's efforts to establish a school for African-American students. In an interview for the New York Times earlier this month this month, Ms. Clinton told the newspaper that during the campaign she had never raised taxes on her own. 
but a review of her financial disclosure forms reveals that when she gave $100,000 in 2005 she made payments of $15,000 to her own foundation to start up and expand her education operation, according to a statement from C.C. Brown. Asked about those records in an interview with the Washington Times, Mrs. Clinton defended the Clinton's foundation and its involvement in several African-American groups and colleges. I think there are a lot of great people in Africa, especially in the schools that I helped create, whose contributions are very large and I'm very grateful for that," she said. And I would never knowingly encourage them or any of my associates to spend money where my brother or any of my brother members would spend money on them.